Good morning and welcome to the next chapter in the book of Ruth. We're on Ruth chapter 3 and I'm going to read it through first of all and then we're going to draw some simple points out of it. It's a great story so let's go straight into it. Ruth chapter 3 and we're going to start at verse 1. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait my daughter until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is the word of the Lord. It's an interesting story, isn't it? With some strange customs that we'll come back to a bit later. But the first thing I'd like to note is that it's a story of really very ordinary people. It's not about nations or prophets or kings or empires. It's a story of two widows and a farmer. And one of the widows is a foreign refugee in a strange land. And before we go any further, that's a lesson in itself. God is interested in the ordinary lives of 
unimportant people like you and me. Sometimes we like to think we're grand and important, but the reality is we're as ordinary as Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And fascinatingly, in the list of Jesus' ancestors, there's Ruth, not a Jew, not one of the chosen people, but a refugee. And then you might remember that Jesus was a refugee. That's challenging, isn't it? How do we view strangers that appear in our midst? Because if you look at Jesus' ancestry, there's a refugee. Ruth's actually one of four women. Ruth, Rahab, who has an interesting career path. Tamar, who had a very disturbed life. Bathsheba, who committed adultery with David. An outsider, people who were bruised, damaged and flawed. They're the kinds of people that God welcomes into his kingdom. And in the Bible story, they're not airbrushed out, but included with all their faults and failings. So whatever else you take from this morning, please take hope. And it's a story with plenty of, I don't know, simple human decency. They're not great country-changing acts of faith, but it's a story of a few individuals who wanted to behave the right way and do the right thing. And you can't really but respect Naomi and Ruth's mutual love and loyalty, or Boaz's decency and commitment to doing the right thing by Ruth. They're just good, ordinary, decent, godly people. One thing that shines through this chapter and indeed the whole book is their concern to fulfil their responsibilities before God rather than demanding their rights. They want to live life well in the situation God had put them in rather than wishing it was something else. Maybe there's a lesson there for us. So it's a story of ordinary people. That's the first thing to note. Secondly, there's some interesting things about culture here. I don't know when we read it, whether you found it was strange or jarring, some of the things you read. Well, if you didn't, you either know your Bible history or maybe you just weren't listening. There's some alien customs here. And let's be honest, the view of women does seem quite extraordinary. You go back to the last chapter, chapter 2, verse 5, where Boaz turns to his other workers and says, who does that woman belong to? <laughs> Sorry, really? Who does she belong to? How do you fit that into a belief system, into Christian faith? Well, remember, first of all, we're in the late Bronze Age, something like that. It's a long time ago. It's an agrarian society. People are largely subsistence farmers living from one harvest to the next with very little security. It's also, I'm not defending this, I'm describing it's also a male dominated society. That's what the ancient world was like. And in the books of the law, you have this um, 
I don't know whether to call it an office, but a responsibility of a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer. And the idea was that if a, a woman is widowed, loses her husband in some way, has children to bring up possibly, she needs to be provided for. No social security in the country. And so someone from the extended family must step in and marry her and care for her. It's a compassionate measure to avoid poverty and starvation. Some of you know that I regularly go to Uganda and one of the places we visit is uh, a church that's planted several churches and runs an orphanage. And they do it because the workers on the sugar plantation in which the town um, is surrounded by, it's as, literally as far as the eye can see, they get workers from all over East Africa. And they come, they work for very low wages, but they marry, they have children. And then after a while, they leave the men and go back, leaving women to care for often five, six children, but with no hope of income. And it's that kind of situation that this guardian redeemer idea was brought in to stop happening so that there would always be provision. Have you noticed the Bible's a really practical book? It teaches us how to live in the culture we have to live in, in a godly and fair way, while at the same time sowing the seeds of undermining the injustice that's described. Think of the early Christians' view of slavery. You're in your home group, someone there is a slave. How do you tell them to behave? They can't abolish slavery through your home group tomorrow. So they have to learn how to live in the situation they're presented, in the culture that they live in. While at the same time, the message of equality of man and woman of workers and employers is seeding its way into society and slowly bringing change. And the truth is we wear our culture like a, a second skin and we don't really notice it until we enter another culture where we become either a critic or a learner. Again, when I go to Uganda, it's one of the strangest uh, and most uncomfortable experiences for me as a male heterosexual, happily married man, that at the end of the service, the pastor will often come up after I preached, hold my hand and give the appeal and stand there for the next 20 minutes holding my hand. It sends different signals in that culture than this one. In Ugandan culture, male friends hold hands, husbands and wives don't do so in public. Weird. Well, no, it's just different. It's the way things are. And perhaps when we come to these ancient stories, we should be asking, what can we learn rather than what's wrong? Because let's be honest, there are things we have learned to do better than this. But we live in a modern culture that's extremely intolerant. And perhaps we ought to pause and reflect that there are things we do much, much worse than this. This is a society with a huge sense of community, where the extended family was massively valued and respected. Maybe rather than rush to criticise, 
and there are things to be criticised, we ought to stop and say, how should we change to be more like the society God wants us to be? Because the reality, when it comes to our own culture, we're either a sponge or a filter. And being a sponge is kind of the default mode. We live in our society, we absorb its values, and sometimes its values shape our view of faith rather than the other way round, that our Christian teaching starts to change the way we live in the society. You maybe want to think more about that in your Barnabas communities. Final thing I want to say is this. There's a lovely lesson here about action and faith. Let me ask a question. Who found Ruth her husband? Was it God or was it Naomi? Now, just for the avoidance of doubt, we're not looking at whether it's good to be married or single. Uh, that's not the story here. And Jesus was single, Paul was single. So please, this is not saying single people need to get married to be fulfilled. We'll park that one for another time. But in this story, Naomi thinks and plans because she loves Ruth and God makes it happen. She didn't see it waiting for God to do something. Her attitude is, this is what I think God wants. Let's act as if God will make it possible. I think God loves a planner. And sometimes I think we think wrongly about faith. Faith is certainly not believing the implausible. Many of us were drawn to Christianity simply because we were driven for the, by the evidence for Christian faith. And it's certainly much more than just words. Sometimes we forget that faith and action in the New Testament in particular go inextricably together. Faith, we're told, without works is dead. And I suggest maybe faith without plans is pretty dead and empty too. The visions God have, has given us need to become plans. Or frankly, we're just dreaming. So here's the question. If God wants you to do something, what are you going to do differently tomorrow? Well, there's lots more in that chapter and you can read it for yourself and reflect at home. But let's stop for a moment and respond to some of the things we've learned. I think some of us have God-given dreams that have just stalled, maybe last week, maybe last year, maybe, let's be honest, decades ago. Let's ask God to stir us up and to do something. Why don't you, if you've got a forgotten dream that God has given you about how he wants to use you or what he wants to do, why don't you come out of this service and tell someone what it is so that they'll pray with you. Some of us have compromised with the culture just too much. Nobody would notice that we live differently. We follow a different path. And there are things maybe God is challenging you to change. And some of us, I, to be honest, I suspect many of us think we're just too small too ordinary, too inconsequential for God to do anything 
dramatic to change our lives. Well, learn the lesson of Ruth and Naomi. God cares about small people like us with small lives, with the problems we struggle with and wants to bring change. Let's simply pray together. Father, thank you that you love us in our ordinariness. You love our everyday lives. And thank you that you also have dreams for us that are bigger. Help us, Lord, to pursue them, living good, humble and godly lives to the glory of your name. Amen.